I grew up near Chicago, and I have seen a lot of snow in my lifetime. On the surface, every snowflake looks the same. It's all around the same size. It's all pretty much the same on the surface. But if you are to magnify that snowflake, not one single snowflake is the same. From surface value, it all looks alike, but each and every one of them is completely and totally unique. If you were to commit a crime, they would put you in jail. And the first thing they would do is take your fingerprints. Why do they think to take your fingerprints? It's because fingerprints can identify you to a crime scene. Because fingerprints are a lot like snowflakes. Even though they all look the same at first sight, they are all unique and individual. No one has the same fingerprint. You are genuinely the one and only you. There is nobody else like you. You cannot be replicated. You cannot be replaced. Guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Noteworthy Podcast today. Today, we're going to be talking about seeing through squares. We'll talk about that in a moment. But the danger of comparison, the danger of comparing yourself to other people, the Bible talks about it, and we're going to dive into it today. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. It's going to be a great time. Let's go. Second Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12 says, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Powerful scripture. And I want you to get that first sentence in your head. For we dare not make ourselves of the number. So right from the beginning of the episode today, I'm going to just get straight to the point. I'm going to help somebody. You're not like everybody else. And why would you want to be? You are different. You are special. You are creatively and magnificently unique in the eyes of God. And he made you different than everybody else. There's a Stephen Curtis Chapman song that says, it says this, You're better than a Beethoven symphony. The Mona Lisa wishes she could be a masterpiece like you. More than any Michelangelo, when I look at you, I know. There's no other masterpiece like you. Because you are the only one and the only you. You are incredibly unique and gifted. God has made you intentionally for his purpose. 
and he made you just a little bit different than everyone else. Well, I have a question for you. How do you see yourself? What lens are you looking through? And I would present to you today that one of the greatest thieves of our generation is comparison. Comparison is a thief. You know what I'm talking about. You're up late at night. You can't sleep. So you grab your phone and you go to Instagram and you start looking at everybody's lives and how great their lives are and how they've just got it all together. And you must be the only person that's struggling with what you're struggling with. You're the only person that could be dealing with what you're dealing with. Comparison steals joy. Comparison steals peace. Comparison steals sleep. It steals originality and authenticity. And the number one cause of insecurity in this generation is the desire to be like somebody else. Guess what? You will never be somebody else. You will always be you. Is that too simple for somebody today? There are no two fingerprints that are the same. And the Bible talks about this in Corinthians. It says, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with others. And so Paul is looking at the church in Corinth, and they're saying things like, that church is doing this. This church is doing that. And Paul says, stop comparing yourselves to others to determine your value. He goes further and he tells them that comparison is not wise. When you begin to compare yourselves to other people's lives, you begin to lack wisdom and discernment in your life because God has called you specifically for a specific purpose and your value cannot be gauged based off of what somebody else's Instagram timeline looks like. And you go all the way back. You say, well, we're just dealing with that now. No, you go all the way back to the church in Corinth and they're comparing themselves to other cities and other churches. You say, well, during the pandemic, oh, that church has just got it all figured out. They, they've got the greatest live stream. They've got the biggest, baddest teams. They just know what they're doing. But I guarantee you, if you go there, behind the scenes, there's a struggle just like you're dealing with. There's time structure and and organization, and all kinds of things behind the scenes, all kinds of opposition that you don't see on Facebook. And comparison is stealing your joy. Go back to the church in Corinth. They're struggling with who they were because of how other people conducted themselves. All the way back then the church was struggling 
with pleasing people more than pleasing God. That's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10 and 17, But he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. For not he who commends himself is approved, but whom the Lord commends. Our modern-day Corinth problem is social media. We see ourselves through the comparison filters of Instagram. This is our modern-day church of Corinth. And Paul's words still apply to the church today. You've grabbed your phone. You're looking at the timeline, and you see all these squares. Their life looks so great. Yeah, they've, they've got it all together over there. But I would present to you that their timeline is not a representation of their life. Many times people are going through things that you would never know based on their timeline. Stop comparing yourself to everyone else. Stop looking at your value through squares. Your life doesn't have four corners. Your life has twists and turns, ups and downs, lefts and rights, and no picture can sum up your life and your journey. Someone once said, stop comparing your behind the scenes with everyone's highlight reel. Oh, we love, we love the highlight reel. We love to see all the excitement. But what about behind the camera lens? What was really happening in that moment? What was that person really dealing with when that picture was taken? And we compare our real-life scenarios to everyone's highlight reel, to everyone's Insta story that looks just right. When sometimes not everything is okay. Sometimes real life is not an Instagram timeline. Sometimes there's hurt. Sometimes there's bitterness. Sometimes there's failure and resentment. Some statistics I want to share with you. Instagram, since we're using this illustration of squares, I want to share this with you. Instagram was founded in 2010. Here are some stats uh, in front of me. I'm going to read them to you. Total number of monthly active IG users. Over 1 billion people. Total number of daily active Instagram users. Over 500 million. Number of photos shared to date. 50 billion. By the time this podcast airs, it'll probably be 51 billion. Number of photos uploaded per day. 100 million photos per day. You can't tell me that the world isn't seeing through squares. Over one billion people are looking at the same thing. Instagram demographics. 56.3% of Instagram users are females and 43.7% are male. 
120.7 million Instagrammers users are from the U.S. 37% of U.S. adults use Instagram, uh, and the United States has the most number of Instagram users. 89% of users are outside of the U.S. Six in 10 online adults have Instagram accounts. Isn't that an interesting term, online adults? <laughs> Goodness, guys. Listen, I'm listen. I'm not teaching against Instagram here. I have an Instagram. I, I use it all the time. The point is, listen to this terminology, online adults. <laughs> this just blows my mind that there are some people that have this mindset that if you're not online, you're not a human, that you don't exist, <laughs> that you're not doing anything with your life if you're not online. Sometimes I wonder if my life would be better if I wasn't online, but we'll talk about that another day. 30% of global Instagram audiences were aged between 18 and 24 years, and 35% aged between 25 and 34 years. So the Gen Z millennial generation is almost all on Instagram. 72% of teenagers use Instagram. 130 million Instagram accounts tap on shopping posts to learn more about products every month. We even use these squares to determine what we're going to buy. What we're going to do, Instagram users will spend an average of 28 minutes per day on the platform in 2020. 35% of U.S. teenagers say Instagram is their preferred social media platform. And 63% of America is on it every single day. And this is just for Instagram. Listen to this statistic. The average daily time spent on social media, which means not just Instagram, but Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, goodness, you name it. According to statistics, they say, on average, we spend 144 minutes or two hours and 24 minutes on social media every single day. That's 16.8 hours per week. We spend looking at life through squares. Guys, we have to be careful to stop comparing the behind-the-scenes real life with the scenarios that we see on Instagram. Your future is not defined by your followers. Don't compare your life to a public representation that someone allows you to see through squares. Instagram is great, but it's not a representation of real life. Galatians 6 and 4 through 5 says, But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another, for each one shall bear his own Load. Proverbs 14 and 30 says, A sound heart is life to the body, but envy is rottenness to the bones. You ever want uh, a good backache? You ever want your bones to hurt? You want some good heartache? Just get online and start playing the comparison game. You'll lose your happiness real quick. 
Guys, I'm a youth pastor, okay? This is one subject that I, I really feel like I know what I'm talking about here. Half the time, I don't feel like I know what I'm talking about. But this is something I know. I see teenagers every single week that are blessed. They are blessed beyond measure. They have great families. They have a great church. They go to a good school. They have a bright future. And all it takes for morale to drop is for them to get online and start comparing themselves to other people that are their age. And if you think it's just teenagers, that would be incorrect because adults do it too. 30, 40, 50, 60 years old, they compare themselves. You know, I'm a pretty young minister. I'm only 29 years old. And I hear this this sentence a lot in my life with with just people in my life. And it's a it's an attempt at at humility and I understand the heart of it, but you'll hear somebody say, My goodness, they're twenty five years old and they've done all that. What am I doing with my life? You know you've heard it too. Just go ahead and admit it. You've heard it. What am I doing with my life? So many people are asking themselves this question. And they had direction. They knew what they were doing with their life. They had clear communication from God. But the moment they lost their vision was when they started looking through squares instead of through their own eyes. When they began to compare themselves to somebody else's journey, they lost their own way. You don't have to look to somebody else's life to know what God has called you to do. You have purpose. You are different. You are unique. And I'm just going to throw this in here, even though it's not in my notes. If you go to a church of 15 people or a church of 1,000 people, stop comparing your church to other churches. You If... You want, to, you want me to tell you something that's going to keep you from doing anything for God in your local church? You want me to help you and give you the answer? The, the number one thing that you can do to stop being effective in your church is to just start comparing yourself to how other churches do things. Because guess what? Your church is different than other churches. You have unique individuals with unique fingerprints that aren't like anybody else. And they go to your church and your pastor knows how to reach his congregation. Your ministry team knows this is what our people need right now. And not every church is going to operate the same. Goodness. And you know, uh, my wife, Rachel and I, we travel quite a bit working with music ministry and working with different teams, and we're so blessed to do that. And if there's one thing that we've learned, every church operates differently, and you can't always expect the same thing at every church. But here's one thing that should always be the same. We all work for Jesus Christ. We all worship the same God, and we should all have the same mission to reach 
a world that is lost and dying with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's our mission. And we can get so caught up with how this person does that and this person does it a little bit differently and it will steal your joy. Don't compare your pastor. My goodness, I'm talking to somebody right now. Stop comparing your pastor to the pastor down the street. Your pastor has unique fingerprints and they operate in their own unique way that God has called them to operate. Oh, my pastor doesn't preach like that pastor. That's right. That's right. He or she does not because they have a unique calling and ministry of their own. The worst thing, let me talk to a minister right now. The worst thing you can do in your ministry is try to imitate somebody else. Goodness, I wish I could preach like Scott Graham. Can I be honest? I wish I could preach like Wayne Huntley. I wish I could preach like Anthony Mangan. But guess what? My name's Nathan French. (laughs) I'm a specific individual person. Those are three like heroes of mine when it comes to people of faith and ministers of the gospel. And I had to learn early on that I can't be used for God trying to be somebody else. God wants to use me. God wants to use you. God wants to use your personality. God wants to use your specific talents and anointings. Don't dare compare yourself to the number and look at life through squares. You know, there is one square that you should look through to view your life. There's one, and it can't be found on someone's timeline. When the common Israelite approached the tabernacle with his sacrifice and passed through that entrance, he found that between him and the tabernacle structure stood an altar. This was the altar on which sacrifices were made, which Leviticus describes as a sweet savor to the Lord. This is where sinners were pardoned. No matter how good a person was, without the shedding of blood, there was no forgiveness. Let me tell you about that square. You can find it in Exodus chapter 27 and verse 1. It says, You shall make an altar of wood, five cubits long and five cubits wide, And the altar shall be square. Look at your life through the eyes of the altar. Look through the square altar in Exodus 27. This is where the sacrifice was made. This is where the shedding of blood took place so that forgiveness could happen. And then look to that altar in the New Testament. Look to that sacrifice. Look to the Lamb. This is where Jesus died for me. This is where Jesus sacrificed himself for me. Because my value is not found in an account. My value is found 
at an altar. But you have to ask yourselves the question, why would they build the altar square? Why would God instruct them to do this? A square altar? This seems odd. You can find the answer in Exodus 27 and verse 7. It says, build it in a square. And it says, because the poles shall be put in the rings and the poles shall be on the two sides of the altar to bear it. Ladies and gentlemen, the altar was built in a square so they would be able to carry it and move the altar together. Altars always destroy disunity. Comparison is the thief of unity. When you start to compare yourself to others, when you start to compare your life to somebody else's lives, it will cause disunity in your mind, in your heart, in your spirit. Look through the square of the altar. Look at the reason that they did it. It's so that we can carry this thing together, not so we can compare our lives to each other. Stop comparing and start carrying. We need to be able to carry the altar to school. We need to be able to carry the altar to church. We need to carry the altar to our jobs. And we need to be able to carry the altar together and stop comparing ourselves to one another. You are wonderfully made. You are beautifully made. Nobody has your fingerprint. Nobody else is like you. And let's stop trying to be like somebody else. Would you pray with me? Lord, in Jesus' name, I've felt this so strong in my spirit today that this is a problem that your church is facing in this last hour. God, I pray you'd help us to put our phones down and get on our knees and talk to you. God, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to be happy for those that we see online and rejoice with them and weep with them, but not compare ourselves to them. God, help us to be more like you so that the world can see you. God, help us, Lord, to not look through the squares of social media, but look through the square of the altar and to be willing to carry it together without comparing ourselves to one another. But we have one thing in common, to move the message of the gospel to the entire world. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, it means so much that you tune in. I really enjoyed getting to talk to you today. This subject is really on my heart, and I appreciate you allowing me to share it with you. I'm really excited about next week. I'm going to be interviewing my dear friend, Myron Weidman Jr., who is a pastor in Stone Mountain, Georgia, an incredible preacher of the gospel. And I'm looking forward to that interview, looking forward to sharing it with you. So guys, thank you again for those that have left five-star ratings and reviews. It means the world. It's making all the difference. This was a noteworthy conversation that we get to have every week and share it with somebody. If you enjoyed it, 
share it with your friends, share it on social media. You can also go follow the podcast on Instagram at podcast noteworthy. You can keep up with the episodes. Those are some squares that I think might bless you. So, <laughs> all right, guys, I love you. We'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. We'll see you then.